Good to see you tonight and to be back again to worship together. Appreciate our visitors. We thank you for being here and others who weren't feeling well this morning were able to be out tonight. We're thankful for that as well. As we turn our attention to God's Word and continue our study, let's get our Bibles and as we've already prayed about and as Caleb has read for us, a passage that really sets and frames well the, the, uh, uh, the lesson uh, that we have planned tonight uh, to continue from this morning and to reset uh, and to, to, to remind ourselves that we're asking this fundamental question, what is your life? Uh, we each have a life. It's a life that uh, necessarily compels us at some point to think about death. Because uh, that is the end of all of us, and and consequently, it's it's in thinking of death that we are equipped better to live life. Ecclesiastes seven two through four. We take that to heart, and we realize we talked about this morning that we are we are immortal. We are in the image of God. Nothing else is on this planet except man and woman. Humanity has been created in the image of God after His likeness and. Uh, part and parcel with that is that we uh, have uh, an immortal soul, that we are going to go beyond the, the, the dust. We're, uh, the body's going to return to the dust from where it came, but the Spirit's going to return to God who gave it. Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 7. And, and consequently, thinking about our life in those terms uh, ought to have an impact when we think about what it, our life is. Uh, and and re- recognizing, realizing that, that we are more than just what we see. And that in fact, what we see, what we do in the flesh, affects us throughout eternity. Galatians 6, 7 through 9. And we, we, you know, there, we could add to this, but this chart fundamentally lays out the fact that being mortal means we're temporary. Things are uncertain in this, in this world. There are changes that we experience, and we are accountable uh, to God in the flesh uh, that affect our, the, the outcome of us uh, into eternity. Uh, the immortal part of us is going to continue on. It's going to return to God in His care and keeping and His, uh, His uh, just uh, uh, reward or punishment based on you know, how we live in this world. So... So the, the contrast between the mortal and the immortality is, is seen in the passage Caleb read for us, right? He said we don't lose heart. We, the outward man is perishing. He said even though it's perishing and even if it's destroyed by man because of our faith is, is kind of the underlying effect of this point because he talks about our, our, our affliction in the flesh is light, it's momentary, uh, but it produces, when we endure it, an eternal glory that far outweighs the momentary affliction. Because, he says, we have fixed our eyes on unseen things. The things we see are temporary, but the things we can't see are eternal. And that's where we have our eyes of faith focused. So this morning we talk a little bit about defining our lives, that what defines our lives shapes our eternity. Uh, that Jesus said, don't lay up treasure on the earth because rust is going to destroy it, thieves are going to break through and steal it, things are going to wear out. But you see, it's what we value, uh, uh, or what we value 
makes the, the determination of where we're going to actually store it. Try to save it. Try to safeguard it. If, if the material things and if this mortal life is the most important, then, then that's where our energy, effort, and focus is going to be more than anything else. But if our energy, effort is focused upon the immortal, then we start understanding that we want to lay up our treasures in heaven where it is beyond the reach of mortality into uh, immortality and, and eternity. But all of that is said really as a, a basis, a foundation to then answer the fundamental question, what is my life? Well, if my life is, is not just mortal, but also immortal, if there's a flesh and there's spirit, then life itself is something God has given. It's not something that, that we gave ourselves. It's not something that just spontaneously occurred. It is a gift from God and is to be handled that way. We talked about that this morning, that, that understanding it's a gift, there's responsibility, there's accountability. But we also look at life because it is brief. It's a, it's a vapor. Psalm 39, 4-6, uh, the psalmist said, uh, help me to know my end. There's, a, there's an outcome. There's an end point. And we don't want to live that way. We don't want to think about death. You know, when we're young, we're bulletproof. You know, it, nothing's going to harm us. Nothing's going to hurt us until it does. <laughs> and we realize, oh yeah, maybe I'm not indestructible. But unfortunately, sometimes, you know, we, we get through that period and, and there again, now we become indestructible again for a while, right? It, it, the wise person, young or old, appreciates the fact that that not only that life is uncertain and brief, but that we're frail. There, there's a, there is a we mentioned that this morning. That word kind of is the idea of it's ceasing, it's destitute. It really does not have uh, fulfillment in the flesh. Life here has its rewards. Life here has its joy, has its benefits, has its blessings. It has its right place, but. If that's what we pursue, if that's our aim and goal, money and moments, then life's going to be, you know, and God is out of the picture, then everything's vanity. When God's out of the picture, life is vanity. Life is empty. It will never rise to satisfaction and ultimate fulfillment. On the other hand, if our life is set toward heaven and eternity, now we have a life based in faith that assures our hope, that secures our expectation, and not just our desire, but our expectation of eternity. And all of that, we talked about this more because James says in James, and let's go over there now to James, because that's what we're going to pick up here with some of our new material, is that, remember he said, come now you that say today or tomorrow we'll go to such and such a city. We'll spend a year there. We'll buy and sell and make a profit. Whereas you don't know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It's even a vapor that appears a little time and then vanishes away. Now, James is not telling us that uh, not to go into business. He's not telling us not to, to, to have any plans for tomorrow in, in any sort of a way. But as we'll see, he is emphasizing this fundamental point that Jesus introduced. We can't serve two masters. That whenever we try to serve two masters, we will always fail. There's always failure. You're going to serve one or the other. God or mammon. The word mammon means riches, material things. And, uh, and so Jesus said, lay up treasure in heaven. Because where, where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. 
So, when we ask, what is my life? Let's ask, where is my heart? Where's my heart? Because fundamentally, that's going to, to reveal what, I'm, what my life is, is all about. Um, and it's going to determine whether we're going to succeed or fail, ultimately, uh, in the things that really matter in this life and in the life to come. Now, back to James 4 then. What are your plans for life? You say, yes, I want to lay up treasure in heaven. Yes, I want to fear God. I, yes, I, I want to serve God. Well, how are you going to do that in this world? It is a challenge to live a life that, uh, of that nature. It's a challenge. You know, we're going to have to have a plan. And then we're going to have to execute the plan. We can't just say, oh, I want to go to heaven, but then with little thought or care or decision-making process, uh, expect to get there. You know, uh, 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, the first part of that chapter, uh, reviews the history of Israel as, as God established them as His, as His chosen people, brought them out of bondage, delivered them miraculously and, and sustained them with the rock, he said, that, that uh, was with them, which was the Christ. All of this was part of God's plan of redemption in the Christ. And yet he said with most of them, God was not pleased. They fell in the wilderness. And they became an example for us. Their life was richly blessed with redemption and deliverance, and yet they fell. Only... only Two people of that generation entered the land of promise. Joshua and Caleb. Because you see the people fell in unbelief and disobedience to God. So, so what's your plan in life? You're going to just bounce along through life, not think about death, not really prepare for the reality of death? Because you see, again, remember, James said, life is uncertain. He says, you don't know what tomorrow brings. Death is certain. Life is uncertain. So what are you going to prepare for? Well, in preparing for life, you've got to prepare for death. You've got to prepare for the realities of the brevity of life, young person. The choices you're making as a young person will reach into eternity. Are you prepared for that? Are you ready to accept the reality of the responsibility that says, I'm going to follow God. Well, that's where you got to start. If we're going to make any plan at all, it's going to be that we have to depend on God. And I think that's what James is pointing to in his text. Look at this. He said, Come now, you who say. Alright, here's people making plans. We're going to go to this city today or tomorrow. And, and, and uh, we're going to go to that city right over there. Good city. Good for business. We're going to, go, we're going to spend a year there. We're going to buy and sell. We're going to make a profit. We're going to establish a business. Fine and good. But where's God in the picture? Are you depending upon God when you make that plan? Are you depending upon anything? Is God in the frame? Is He in, the, in your vision? In your field of vision? Oh, well, I, you know, it's going to take me away from, from, from certain things and you know, I'm going to have to work about 16 hours a day and it's going to be hard to worship God on the Lord's Day, but I, you know, I, I, I'll go ahead and, you know, because I've got to establish that business. Now, is God in the picture or not? 
That's where the rubber meets the road in our life. Is God in our life? Are we depending on God? Or are we depending on ourselves? And we come to God when we really need Him. But most of the time we don't really need Him. Other people need Him. Other people really need Him. But but I'm doing just fine. Now I am saying that facetiously. But isn't that the way the devil works on us? He works on us that way, and I think we'll see that in this text. And we need to learn it in the text, from the text. We've got to depend on God. The first plan, the first plank in your plan, if you're going to live ready to meet your God whenever that moment comes, you've got to plan a life that is always depending upon God. You see, He knows the end from the beginning. I suspect that Ashley didn't know when she went to bed last night that her water heater was going to start leaking and have trouble in the morning. But she did. It did. Because why? Life's uncertain. Life's uncertain. You see, we have our as hey, we have our life mapped out in our head, don't we? we young person, we got it all planned out. I mean, we're gonna. You know, we're going to get our education, and we're going to maybe maybe it's a family, maybe it's not, but we got it all planned out. We always see everything's coming up roses, and then you know what? Life slaps us in the face. <laughs> life comes at us. Now, I don't want to disparage life because it's a gift from God. What I'm saying is there's challenges, and we have to make decisions. Because we have to decide, am I going to depend on God at this moment of trial? Or am I going to depend him upon Him in this moment of prosperity? Or am I going to forget Him in one or the other or both? You see, isn't that what James is really driving at when he, as he goes on in this text? When he says, you ought to say if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. Dependency upon God. Proverbs 27 and verse 1 says, Don't mo- Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. Boasting about tomorrow is, is not just... Not, not, I don't think that, that he means by that you don't make plans for tomorrow, but you understand that there's something that's more crucial than tomorrow plans. Now, we can boast in tomorrow or we can be anxious about tomorrow. Right? And distracted. We can be distracted through boasting. We can be distracted by other cares so that we don't have tomorrow in the right context. The right context for tomorrow is come what may, if it comes, I'm going to depend on God. And the plans I make, God's going to be at the center of them. Because you see, He knows the end from the beginning. I don't. I don't know the end from the beginning. I never dreamed that I would live in Washington State. (laughs) There's something in your life you never thought you'd do or be. Sure, we all have that in our lives. But you see, wherever we are in life, our plan has to be to depend on God. Now, we're going to talk about what that means in a minute. But just, let's just reinforce the reality that 
God knows the end from the beginning. Isaiah 42 and verse 9, God says, Behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. God says, I'll tell you what's going to happen. And He has. Prophecy of so many things in the Old Testament have been fulfilled and things yet to come into eternity are going to be fulfilled. God tells us the end from the beginning. But we keep, we keep going back to the way we see things. The way we want things. The way we perceive things. And what our focus is. And that takes us away from God. It takes us away from dependency upon Him. James grabs our attention. He takes us by the scruff of the neck and says, wait a minute. Do you, know what you, do you know what you're doing when you're making those plans? Do you understand there are elements of uncertainty and brevity of life that compel you to depend on God? In Isaiah 46 and verse 10, then the Word of God said, declaring the end from the beginning and from the ancient times things that are, not, that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. God, tells, God, God says, I'll declare the end of it before it even starts. I mean, from Genesis 3, He said that uh, the seed of woman would crush the head of the serpent. Telling about the redemption of mankind from sin in the Messiah. Before it ever got started, God knew from the beginning. In fact, from ages past into eternity past, things that boggle our concept of of time and and and, and, and understanding. God is the one to depend on. He knows, and He's. By the way, He's revealed. And we'll come back to that in a second. But here's here. So so say I, okay. I want to I want to depend on God. By the way, I'm going to make a. One other point about here. You know, when we look at what James said about you know life is uncertain, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, that causes some people to throw caution to the wind. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, so I better get to it right now. I'm going to do everything I want to do right now because I don't know if I'll have another chance. It's all about me. Now, some people view life that way when they think about it being unsure, uncertain, and brief. And they focus upon themselves. But you see, instead of throwing caution to the wind, and, you know, let's eat and drink for tomorrow we die, the Gospel says no depend on God. So that when you do die, then you receive the reward of having depended upon God rather than ignoring Him, refusing Him. Now, that brings us to the point, as we live in the flesh, then let us use this life, this physical life, this mortal life, let us use it to advance spiritual life. Let us execute our plan. We say we want to depend upon God, then let us in fact depend upon God. Now how does that work? In just a minute, we'll look at a few other specifics, but let's let's see it in Romans six verses twelve through fourteen. If I if I plan to depend on God, that means I'm going to plan plan as I live my life in the flesh to accomplish spiritual goals, 
spiritual objectives. Romans 6.12 says, Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lusts. Okay, here's, here's how I'm going to depend upon God today and tomorrow, and the day after that if God gives me a tomorrow or the day after that. You see, he says, I'm going to not let sin rule me. It's not going to rule my flesh. That's what that, that, It used to be that way, but he says now, do not present your members. That is, don't present your bodies as instruments of unrighteousness to sin. If I'm going to depend on God, I'm going to have to make a, a willful decision that I'm going to use this flesh to satisfy the desires of God rather than the lusts of the flesh. The lusts of the eyes or the pride of life. He said, present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. To depend upon God means I'm going to present myself to do God's will so that I am an instrument of what is righteous unto God. Sin shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under law but under grace. Well, sin will not have dominion over you when you decide to not allow it to rule you. They're choices. See, we have to choose. I'm going to, if I'm really going to, going to live life with God at the center, then, then what it means is I'm going, to, I'm going to, whatever I'm doing, thinking, being, then God's objectives, God's purposes are at the heart of, of, of all those things. Look at Philippians 1 and verses 19 and following for a moment. Again, here Paul in the flesh mortal like any of us a man and and yet how look how he views his life he says and I, I and we we agree of course don't we that paul lived a life depending upon god he 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 made plans to go here and go there he made he made a lot of plans he said i want to come to rome but he never probably planned i want to go there as a prisoner but he did see he he had plans of travel but it was you know, it was affected by life's uncertainties. It's affected by the purposes of, of the moment. Is the, but fundamentally, it was about, and we're going to read here in this text what it was fundamentally about. So let me get ahead of myself. Let's read verse 19 beginning. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. He says, I'm in prison. I, I, I'm in prison, but this has turned out to a benefit. And, and uh, uh, in fact, I know that I'll have deliverance through your prayers and the supply of the Spirit of God, according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. There's the key point. Paul says, I'm going to live and whatever life brings at me, Christ is going to be magnified in my body. He says, whether life or death, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If we cannot fundamentally say that about our life at this moment, then we need to rearrange our life. We need to repent. We need to come back to square one of fearing God and keeping His commandments, of living for Christ, and understanding that there's a lot more to life than meets the eye.
He said, live as Christ and die as gain. And if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. He says, as long as I was in the flesh, I'm going to labor. I'm going to work. I'm going to be active. And it's going to bear fruit. Yet what I shall choose I cannot tell, for I'm hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ. Imagine that. Here's a man living, and he wants to die. Now, is that us? I'm living. But really, if I had my brothers, he said, I'd rather die and be with Jesus. But he said, as long as I have life and it's granted to me, I'm going to use that life. I'm not going to squander the moment. I'm going to bear fruit. I'm going to work and it'll bear fruit and it'll be a benefit for you, he says. Not, you see, so his life is being lived to benefit others. That's how Christ is magnified in our body, in our life, to serve righteousness, to serve others. So he said, nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. Verse 24. He goes on to say, only let your manner of life, and that brings it to the Philippians, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Here's how I'm going to live my life. I'm in prison. I expect to be out. But whatever come, come what may, there'll be deliverance. If I live, it, it, it's, it's for the purposes of Christ. If I die, there's, I'll gain. But as long as I have the gift of life, I'm going to labor in the things of God. That's depending on God. That's not depending on self. That's keeping God squarely in the moment of our lives. Now let me illustrate how we how that plays out. I'm going to use this body and the health God gives me to whatever degree of health God blesses me. I'm going to use it for spiritual purposes. 1 Timothy 4, 7 and 8. He said, Reject profane and old wise fables and exercise yourself toward godliness. For bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things. Having a promise of life that now is and that which is to come. Why do we keep our bodies in shape? So people can admire us? No, so we can use our body to serve the things of God. So we can serve our families. So we can serve our brethren. So we can serve the lost. So we have opportunities. Because I'm in the flesh. I want to labor to bear fruit. So God's blessed you with health and whatever measure of health you have it, and even when health begins to fade, we still have the opportunities of service. Remember, though the outward man is decaying, the inward man is renewed day by day because we're depending on God. And it doesn't matter where I'm in, whether I'm in excellent health or my health is fading, God's at the focus, and I'm depending on God. And what I'm choosing to do with that measure of health I have is to bring Him honor. Not myself. See that? That's how we depend on God. What about wealth? Things we possess. I earned it, it's mine. Really? Where'd it come from? Well, it's all from God. We know that. We can't be covetousness and go to he- covetous and go to heaven. We need to learn contentment. And part of that is we learn to do good. To be rich in good works and ready to give and willing to share. He said, trust, don't trust in the uncertainty, uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives all freely. To use that wealth to help others. To 
do good, to be rich in good works. That's laying up treasure in heaven with the wealth that God blesses us with here on the earth. See, take the physical and turn it to a spiritual advantage. About your time. We all have the same amount. But have you ever noticed how we don't all use it in the same way? Seems like somebody, some people get a lot done in 24 hours and others not much. Well, what, about, what about us? Well, let's look at ourselves instead of somebody else. How are we using our time? How are we using it? And, and, and are we using it in a way that depends on God? Or do we get so wrapped up in the using of our time and the things of the mortal life that we forget about God? Or maybe if we don't forget about Him, He just, you know, we, we, He's off to the side somewhere because, you know, I've got to use my time right now for things that, that, that I put my focus on. But you see, our focus be on God always. So that when we say, let's go to this city over here, let's spend a year there, let's make a profit, let's have a business enterprise that we in using our time that way, we're not forgetting God, that we're putting God in the middle of those decisions and of that activity. Ephesians 5, seeing that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Can we, can we successfully use our time to operate a business and serve God? Absolutely. It's not about one or the other. It's about using our time in the flesh to keep the right focus of dependency upon God in whatever activity we're doing. And we just use business as one illustration of the, fun, of, the, of the fundamental point. So, what's your plan? You plan to go to heaven? We don't go to heaven accidentally. You've got to plan to go there. If we plan to go there, we've got to execute the plan. That means we've got to make choices in our flesh in this life that's going to accomplish that. By God's mercy, by God's grace, rightly we prayed. We don't earn heaven, but God has prepared good works that we're supposed to walk in to bear fruit for His glory. And that's where we go next in this whole matter of what is our life. How am I accomplishing? How am I achieving my plans? Verses 15, 16, and 17 teaches us how. He said, instead you ought to say, James 4, 15, instead you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it to him, it's sin. Now, first thing we need to do if we're going to accomplish this plan and execute this plan of, of eternity with God is we've got to seek and do God's will. He said, if the Lord wills, we'll live and do or do this or that. You know, some people have a wrong view of that, I'm afraid. We can be sucked into it ourselves. We can, we can make some plan and, and we can just kind of be nonchalant and say, well, if the Lord wills, you know, whatever the Lord will, Lord's will is, but then we end up acting on our will instead of really letting His will direct us. What does it mean, if the Lord wills? 
It means we go to His will and we find out what His will is and what He wants us to choose. How He wants us to live. We have this mystical view of the Lord's will out here in our life. Jesus said, Not everyone that says to Me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. He that does the will of My Father. Not sits back and let the Lord do His will on us. He's revealed His will to us. If I'm going to achieve the plan of seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, of laying up treasure in heaven, of going there throughout eternity, I'm going to have to seek and do God's will. And that's active on my part. You know, sometimes I hear people say, let go and let God. Ever heard heard anybody say that? Let go and let God. I'm not sure what they mean about that. There's probably different concepts, but let me offer an alternative to let go and let God. And that is, let's go and let God. Let's go. Let's go seek the Lord's will. Let's go do the Lord's will. That's the way the Lord's going to work in your life. You want Bible to back that up? Philippians 2, 12 and 13 backs that up. Philippians 2, 12 and 13. Now I know there's other verses. Cast your anxieties upon, cast your cares upon the Lord. I'm not refuting that in the least. The point we're driving at is we have to be active. We have to be active in, in a life that is preparing for eternity. It, 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 we don't, we're not going to get there by accident. We're not going to get to heaven by accident. Look at the verse. My beloved, as you've always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is, watch it, it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. Who, how is God working in you? Because you are obeying Him. By obeying Him, you are bringing your salvation to a full accomplishment, to a complete conclusion. You're depending on God. You see, when you, when you seek and do the Lord's will, you're relying upon Him, not on yourself. And that's, you know, that's, that's what so many people don't get about obedience. And so obedience is kind of... We always kind of have to throw in when we talk about obedience, oh, I'm not earning anything. Well, you're right, we're not. We're saved by grace. Through faith. But saving faith is an obedient faith. And we need to respect the fact that without obedience, we are lost. Now, it's got to be a heart of obedience. God talks about the heart repeatedly. God doesn't want us going through motions. He wants our heart given to Him. So this is so. how do we do this? Well, first of all, we love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind. We've got to love God if we're going to seek and do His will. If we're going to obey Him and let Him work in us to accomplish His good pleasure, see, the thing is, the commandments of God are for our good. What God wants us to do in our lives, when we will give in faith, when we will follow His will, that brings good to our life, and more than that, it honors God. It makes our life complete. That's our purpose in life. We're going to close with the verse, but you know what it is in Ecclesiastes. This is the end of the matter. All is being heard, fear God, and keep His commandments. 
This is the whole of man. This is what our purpose is about in life. And it starts with loving God with all of our being and our neighbor as ourselves. We've got to love our neighbor as ourselves. We cannot love God if we don't love our neighbor. You see? And, 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 and this seeking and doing God's will is the very opposite of the contrast back in James 4 earlier in this chapter. You see, James, in chapter 4, he started with, with this very ugly picture of wars and fights among you. And he said, where's that come from? That's not coming from a dependency upon God. That's not coming from, from an executing of a plan of realizing life is uncertain and brief and so you're going to live according to God's will. No, you're living by your own pleasures. You made yourself the center of attention rather than God. So he says, come to the realization of seeking the will of God. Verse 15, if the Lord wills, we'll live and do this or that. That's, that's how we begin to accomplish this plan of, of, of a life that really fulfills the purpose that God, for which God gave us life. <coughs> Verse 16 says, we've got to do that with humility. Humble hearts and humble conduct. He says, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. You know, when we, when we live as if um, death is not a concern, and in fact we live and not concerned with death, then we're developing, if not already, we have developed an arrogance toward life. When we live without a recognition of the uncertainty and brevity of life, we're prideful. That's His warning in verse 16. He is warning us against the pride of overconfidence. Ah, nothing's going to happen. Everything's going to be good. Well, you're just not looking at reality. Life is of such a nature that it, it comes at you with uncertainty and, 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 and if, you're not, if you think you're going to control life, then you're pretty arrogant. What we can do is control the choices we make in life to do the Lord's will so that we're ready for death and by the way, we're not living with with a with a old oh, cloud over us. Oh, I'm going to die any minute. I'm going to die any minute. No, we're going to live every moment. We're going to do it with humble obedience, rather than arrogant self confidence that forgets God and depends on self. That displays itself in the source of wisdom and knowledge that we that we seek for ourselves. He said. 1 Corinthians 3.18 warns us that, uh, to, to avoid the, the arrogance of, of such a thing when he said, let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you seems to be wise in this age, let him become a fool and him become wise. Become a fool. You want to live life ready for death? Become a fool once in a while. In other words, lower your estimation of yourself. Be humble. Don't be boastful in life. He said, knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. He says, if anyone says he knows anything, he doesn't know anything yet as he ought to know. 1 Corinthians 8.2 We live an attitude of life that we pretty well know everything we need to know and we know pretty much, you know, everybody just needs to know what I know. <laughs> 
then you're going to make choices for getting the very nature of life itself. It's uncertain. It's brief. And that's going to lead you into trouble. It's going to lead you into trouble. The warning is, you know, we need a humble heart toward the ability and power that we have. You know, the power belongs to Jesus. He's the one with authority. You remember Pilate? He, he's pretty confident about his power. He said, don't you know that I have power to release you and I have power to put you to death? Why won't you answer me? Why won't you talk to me? Jesus said, you didn't have any power except it's been given you from above. So what power are we respecting day in and day out in our life? Power of God? Power of Jesus Christ? Or our own power? That's, I mean, that, 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 that's where we come to self-examination of what my life is. Is my life humble? Is my life accepting the warning and being, uh, uh, being overconfident? Or have I been brought sucked in? See, these people who were making their plans had been sucked in, living for themselves instead of the will of God. And so he gives them the warning, gives us too, the war- gives us the warning as well. And then finally he says, do the good things that God approves. You want to depend on God in your life by doing His will with hum- humility of heart and conduct, then do the things God approves. To him, therefore, who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. If you know there's something good you need to be doing, he says, do it. Because if you don't, you're not dependent on God, you're dependent on yourself. And we depend on ourselves too much. You see, we know what's the right thing, the good thing, but we don't do it. But somehow or another, we justify ourselves in not doing it. That's pride, verse 16. That's not looking at life the way we should, verse 14. We're not going to be ready to die if that's the way we view life. Do the good things God approves, do what you know is right. Micah 6 and verse 8, He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? Say, oh, well, that's the Old Testament. That doesn't apply to me. <laughs> They're principles. and They have application. Jesus said, be just. Whatever you would that men should do to you, you do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. He said, you want to be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven? Then be a person of justice. Treat others with honesty and fairness. Treat them the way you want to be treated. That goes a long way for the citizen of heaven. Love mercy. Hosea 6, 6 said, God said, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. God says, in fact, in Micah's context too. Micah said, what do you want? You want me to bring 10,000 sacrifices? God says, no, I want, you to do, I want you to be a just person. I want you to love mercy. I want you to walk humbly with your God. Deuteronomy 10, 12, 13 taught that to Israel. Jesus teaches us the same thing. God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. That's in James 4 also in our, con- in our broader context of, of James 4, 13-17. Back up a few verses. God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. He loves mercy. 
See, all those things Micah said that Israel didn't have, that God wanted them to have, are the same principles He wants us to have. And when we do, that's called, it means we're going to be depending on God and doing the good things that He wants of us. What is life? What is life all about? Peter quotes Psalm 34, 1 Peter chapter 3, uh, verses 10 through 12. 1 Peter 3:10. Find that with you. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 10. Peter wrote, He that who would love life and see good days. You want to, you want to you know, some people look for an exciting life. What is life? Ah, life has to be exciting. You know, when it's not exciting anymore, I'm bored with life, and you know, well, you know, life life is to be full filled with joy. But you know, the responsibilities of life, the realities of life, not always not always exciting, but they're always blessed if and can be loved if, he says, we do these things. He that would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Because you see, after all, what that means is control your heart. Control your heart. You want to you love life and see good days? Then be careful what you say because that's reflective of what's in your heart. Don't speak evil. Let him turn away from evil and do good. There's the doing the good we talked about. Let him seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. His ears are open to their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. What's life about? It's about a good heart that turns away from evil, that seeks peace and pursues it, that does the will of God, that is dependent upon God rather than self. What? This is the end of the matter. All has been heard. Fear God and keep His commandments. This is the whole of man. Why are there so many people in that, that, that life is meaningless to them or they never grasp the concept of what life is all about? Because they don't fear God. Fear God and keep His commandments. This is the whole of man. This is our duty. This is our responsibility. And this is our blessing when we'll do that. Life is a great blessing, great gift from God. Brethren, we have to live so that we're always ready to lay this body down and enter into eternity. If you're not ready for that right now, get ready right now. Repent of every sin, everything that stands between you and God. Jesus died so those things can be removed and you can have life and have it abundantly. Repent of your sin. Confess He's the Son of God and be baptized to be saved from your past sins and be a Christian. Or repent of sin as a child of God. Come back to the Lord. Be faithful and true to Him. Say, if the Lord wills, I'll live. I'll do this or that. And His will will be center. It'll be the focus. And I'll lay up treasure in heaven. Would you do that? Start that now. While together we stand and while we sing.